0: word angel. What do you picture? (laughs) Set him up and just knock it out of the park. That was perfect. We did not plan that, you guys. That was incredible. Dang, son, I need to get my game on that level. Whoa. I don't even know where to go from here. That was good. That was real good. Hey, when I say angel, besides Shanna, you probably picture a human They have long white robes and wings. Perhaps the angel that you picture has a halo above their head and they've got a golden harp that they're playing in their hands. Maybe when I say angel, the picture that comes into your mind is this. Yeah, little fat baby. Aren't they so cute with their little wings and stuff like that? Yeah, except they don't really seem capable of doing very much, do they? (laughs) These angels. I'm not sure I can respect an angel that's not old enough to make its own box of craft dinner. You know what I mean? Like, what is that little fat baby going to do for me? I don't really know. You know where that picture of angels came from? That's actually an ancient picture of Cupid. And we kind of adopted that Greek imagery to use as a picture of angels. That's not really what angels actually look like. Maybe, though, what an angel really looks like, or at least what you picture when I say the word angel, is this. Oh, yeah. Get wrecked. Yeah. If this is what angels look like, they have definitely been drinking their protein shakes, right? Hallowed be thy gains, Gabriel. Yeah. I'm going to tell you guys, if we have guardian angels, that's the guardian angel I want. You could keep your chubby baby. I want Conan the Barbarian looking after me. But you know, as I look at that, I have to wonder, are angels really bros? Like... Are these the guys that you would see in the gym? Are angels seriously like these shirtless, rippling warriors? Or is this something that probably came out of a fantasy romance novel? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the problem is we're too patriarchal, right? We're picturing male angels, and maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe angels are not men at all. Maybe angels are females, and that's what we need to think about. So maybe when I say angel, you picture a lady angel. Whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Suddenly we've entered a 14 year old boy's daydream, right? Like, oh man. I'm starting to think, I'm starting to think that Google is not the best place to get information about angels. Like maybe a Google image search is not going to tell us what we need to know. Now, whether or not you realize it, maybe you've just tuned it out by this point. But if you started paying attention over the next week or so, you would realize that angels are everywhere in our world in 2019. There are people in our city, in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces, and they claim to have experiences with these heavenly beings. Companies, of course, use angels to sell us stuff like toilet paper. I don't know how those two things go together, but you know there are companies that use angels in order to sell us weird things like that. Um, We have this sense that angels are like, they're present with us because we see them all the time in movies and art and poetry. They're just staples in the artistic world. So angels are all around us, at least in visual representation. The question is, are angels around us for real? What's the real deal with angels and heavenly beings? Do they actually exist? Do we have guardian angels? Do we become angels when we die? Is it possible for me to drive faster than my guardian angel can fly? These are the real questions. Is it wrong to be curious about angels and demons? Maybe you've heard somebody say, you shouldn't even get involved with that. You don't know the power that you're messing with. Is it wrong? Today, what we're gonna do in week three of our series, When the Devil Knocks, we are going to continue to lift the veil on the spiritual world. And we're gonna talk more about spiritual beings and spiritual battles. We're examining today what the Bible has to say actually on the subject of angels, not what you see when you Google it, which by the way, I did this week and I was like, Every bit of this is wrong. Like there's not a single good resource on the first 10 pages of Google. So I thought, let's not look to pop culture. Let's look to the scripture and see what the Bible says is actually going on when it comes to angels. Now this series, I've really enjoyed so far. I don't know if you guys have dug it. We're only halfway through. So if you haven't liked it, guess what? You still have a few weeks to go. But if you do enjoy it, we've still got several more messages in the pipeline, okay? Now I'll tell you guys today, It's gonna be a little more teaching than preaching, okay? We're gonna give you some information about angels and again, what the Bible actually says about them, but you could probably guess by the end of the message, I'm gonna get hyped about something, okay? So let's dive right in here. What does the scripture actually say on the subject of angels? Let's start in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. It's an apocalyptic book. It's full of incredible stories and imagery and symbolism. And in Revelation chapter number 19 and verse number 10, John, the apostle, okay, this is the apostle John, one of Jesus' original 12 guys. Jesus has long since died, resurrected, and ascended into heaven. And the the Bible says here that John tells us, then I fell down at the angel's feet to worship him. The angel was showing John a vision of heaven, the spiritual realm. And he says, I fell down at the angel's feet to worship him, but the angel said, no, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Instead, worship God alone. I think this is a good jumping off place for our conversation about the realities of angels and even demons which we'll get into in the next couple of weeks, but What I want you to understand this morning is that if you want to learn about angels and demons or really anything else in the Bible, you can't simply just flip to the book of angels and then find all the things you need to know on that particular subject. And that's because the Bible is not written like Wikipedia. Did you know that? The Bible is not an encyclopedia. It's not like topically arranged so that you can say, well, what does the Bible have to say about whatever? And then you flip to that section and boom, you've got the info. Instead, it's written in a narrative style. And if you want to understand characters or themes or teachings and doctrines, you kind of have to read throughout the scripture to get a full sense of what's going on. So it's very similar to like, let's say you wanted to study Romeo and Juliet, right? If you wanted to know what's this Romeo guy like, what is his character, and what does he say in certain situations and stuff like that, you can't open up Shakespeare's works and then just flip to the R's and read about Romeo. Instead, you have to look at how he handles himself, the situations he gets himself in, the conversations he has, the ways he reacts when things go well or things go bad, and on and on it goes. The Bible is written the exact same way, and this is where a lot of people get tripped up because they expect to be able to open it up to one place, pick out a verse or three and boom, they know all they need to know. That's not how it's written. And so in particular, when we're talking about learning about angels, we've got to kind of cover a broad section or or we've got to look from cover to cover essentially in the Bible so we can start to understand everything that the scripture says. So today what I want to do is I want to start in the book of Genesis and we're going to end in the book of Revelation and we're going to cover every... No, we're not going to do that, you guys. I can see some of you wiping your brow, you're like, oh gosh, I got lunch to go to, man. I ain't got time to go through 66 books of the Bible, neither do I, all right? So instead, what I want to do Is I want to put on the screen the top 10 facts that we actually know about angels from the scriptures. And I've given you some verse references. So if you want to study this a little bit deeper, why not snap a photo of this screen and then you can go and read some of these passages on your own and kind of understand uh, what the, the scripture teaches about these heavenly beings in each one of these passages. So let's go ahead and put it here on the screen. I'm going to point out along the way the things that we know for certain from the scripture the things that we're really not sure of, and then the things that we learn from the world around us that are actually contradicted by the scripture, okay? So we'll look at where our popular conception of angels lines up with the Bible, where it disagrees, and where we just don't know. So the first thing that we kind of understand from the scripture is that angels are created beings. They They have not always existed. At some point in creation, God decided to make these heavenly beings that we know as angels. From a scriptural standpoint, there is only one uncreated being, and that is Yahweh, the triune God. Like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is the only one that has always existed and will always exist. Every single thing else, whether in the physical world or in the spiritual world, was created by God. Now, another thing that we learned, and I didn't really put it as a fact up here on the screen, but Jesus talks about this in the book of Matthew, is that angels are essentially genderless. And they don't have marriage. And if I can just be blunt, angels don't have sex. They don't make new angels in the same way that we make new humans. Okay, The only way that angels are created is when God speaks and they exist. That's it. So angels are created beings. That's why in Revelation chapter number 19, the passage we just read, the angel speaking to the apostle John said, hey, I'm a servant of God just like you and your brothers and sisters who claim faith in Jesus. Angels are created beings. Secondly, angels do not become people. Oh, wait, (laughs) wait, let me back this up. People do not become angels when they die. This is one of the most popular misconceptions in our culture, that when grandma dies, she gets her wings and she goes to heaven and floats around on a cloud for eternity. That's not at all what happens. If you read the book of Psalm, chapter number six, verse eight, you know what you find, or actually, what's the reference there? Eight, uh, eight five, thank you. Um, If you read that passage, you find out that angels are a different kind of being than humans are. So like saying that people become angels when they die is like saying cats become dogs when they die. It doesn't make any sense. There's no way it's going to happen. If you are human today, you will be human for all of eternity. You do not become a different species or a different kind. Humans and angels are separate, okay? That's a really important point because it reminds us that we exist for all of eternity. Like we are going to be around forever, And what we do in our relationship with Jesus in the here and now, it matters and it plays out in the hereafter. If you guys are like, hey, I wanna learn a little bit more about that. A couple years ago, I did a series called The Afterlife. You can find it on our website. You can find it on um, SoundCloud and on Apple iTunes and all that stuff. And we spent four messages going through and talking about heaven hell, what it's really like when you die. And we separate kind of the pop culture lunacy from what the scripture actually says in the same way that we're doing this with angels today. So people don't become angels when they die. Third, the word angel, it means messenger. That's what that Greek word anglos, it means messenger. And here's the thing, angel describes a role and not a nature. Angel describes what these beings do, not what they are. So if I said, for instance, oh, that person is a police officer, right? You would think that is what that person does, but it's not what that person is. Because you could have a male police officer. You could have a female police officer. You could have a canine police officer. You could have a bunch of different kinds of police officers, because police, police officer, it describes a role and not a nature. The same is true when it comes to angels. When we use the term angel, what we're saying is, this is a being that is sent by God to deliver a message or, an, or to accomplish an ad, objective in the world. Angel means messenger. This is why last week when we were reading the scripture and it talked about the angel of the Lord. And we're like, actually, this is a reference to Jesus. And you're like, wait, Jesus is an angel? Well, no, not in the sense that we think of it, but he is an angel in the sense that he is sent by God. So angel just means messenger and it describes what they do, not what they are. Now, fifthly, angels can take visible and human form. So in, in heaven they exist in a form that is not like a human body with wings and a harp and a halo and all that sort of stuff, okay? But they can take on visible form and interact in the world. So we see this happening in several different places where God wants a message delivered or he wants some event to take place. And so the angel comes in to ensure that it happens. We also read in the book of Hebrews that there are times in which angels are present here on earth and we don't even recognize them. We entertain angels. Angels, unaware, as the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, because they take a visible human form that we don't often expect or recognize, hey, wait a sec, this is a heavenly being that has invaded our realm. So angels can temporarily look like people, but they don't look like people all the time. In fact, fact number six, angels, when you read about them in the scripture, are strange and terrifying creatures, Do you know what happens nearly every single time an angel shows up and interacts with a human being? They are freaked out. Every time an angel shows up, the first thing he says to a human is, don't be afraid, fear not. Why? Because they're about to wet themselves. If you actually came in contact with an angel, you know what you would feel? Fear. Because they are so other they are so powerful. They are so different from what anything that we have experienced that the natural reaction would be awe and terror. Like 70% of the time in the Bible, when an angel shows up, the people that the angel comes to talk to just fall over. Either they faint or they pass out like they're dead because it is such an overwhelming thing to be in the presence of an angel. All right, it gets weirder than that. There are a couple passages in the Bible and I have them listed here on the screen that you've never read, I guarantee it. Because if you had read this, you would have sent me an email a long time ago and you would have said, Dan, I'm reading this section of the book of Ezekiel or I'm reading this section of the book of Revelation. It's blowing my mind. What in the world is this talking about? See, if you read the book of Ezekiel, you know what you find out? The Bible describes angels as having not two wings, but either, depending on the kind of angel, and we'll talk about this in a second, as having four wings or six wings. And in the book of Ezekiel, it talks about how these angels are covered by eyes, like eyeballs, blinking eyes, over every square inch of all of their body, head, hands, feet, wings, all of it, okay? It says that the angels have wheels, you're like, what? Go read Ezekiel. I'm telling you. It says the angels have wheels. I don't know if it's a sweet whip or what, but they have some sort of mobility that the Bible describes as being wheeled. Now look, this passage in Revelation, which describes angels as having four faces and they look like oxes and eagles and oh, it's crazy, okay? Okay. But the thing is, these passages are full of a lot of symbolism. These are apocalyptic passages. And so we don't know whether or not it's describing the way that angels look using symbolism or literal language. We just don't know. But we do know that whatever an angel actually looks like in its heavenly form is mind blowing. It is not a fat little baby. It is not a ripped man and it's not a semi-sexy woman. They have their own form that if you ever came in contact with it, you wouldn't even know how to respond. Angels, from a scriptural perspective, are terrifying and very strange creatures. Fact seven, only three angels in the Bible are given names. Do you know them? Some of you might. First of all, we've got Michael right? He's called the archangel. And oftentimes in the scripture, not always, but oftentimes we see him doing battle. He, he is called the leader of heaven's armies. Like if there is a warrior angel, it's probably Michael, the archangel. Then we have another angel that's named Gabriel. And Gabriel is often associated with messages and the love of God. So I don't know if he's like ripped and massive like Michael or he takes another, I just don't even know. But he's the second angel that's given a name. And then we mentioned the third last week, it's Lucifer, the devil. Those are the only three angels in the Bible that are given names. Now, if you've ever been a part of the Catholic church or the Orthodox church or the Jewish faith or something like that, You'll find, and Islam does the same thing, you'll find that they have this entire catalog of angels, you know, like Raphael and Uriel and Donatello and Michelangelo. No, seriously, they're not Ninja Turtles. That's the name of some of the angels that they've come up with. I'm serious. Now, here's the deal. Um, I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm just saying that those are not found in the Bible, Maybe they know something, I don't know. But whatever they've come up with, they haven't gotten it from scripture because there are only three angels that have names in the Bible. We also find out that there is a hierarchy of angels, that not all angels are the same. And uh, Michael, for instance, is called an archangel, which means he is the leader. He is over the other angels. And there may be some other divisions um, that go by kind and rank and stuff, but we don't know a whole lot more than that. All right, now, uh, number eight. Demons are rebellious and fallen angels. So you're like, why did God create good angels and bad angels? That seemed kind of messed up. Like, why would he do that? Well, he didn't. God created angels. And some of those angels decided to rebel against God in the same way that God didn't create good people and bad people, God created people and some of them have decided to rebel against God. It's the same exact thing. So we use the word demon, to describe an angel who has joined the devil or Satan in his rebellion against God. We read in the book of Revelation that there were one third of all the angels that were created that joined in this rebellion against God. Now, we don't know how many angels God made overall. We don't have an exact number. The Bible tells us there are a whole lot of them. Like anytime all the angels are pictured in scripture, it's an innumerable multitude. People couldn't even count how many of them there are. But we do know that, two thirds of the angels that God created stayed faithful to him and one third decided to rebel. Now that's actually a pretty good thing because that means that there are two servants of God for every one demon in the world. So we only have this one third which decided to follow in rebellion. Demons are simply rebellious fallen angels. Number nine, we'll wrap this part up. I want you to understand that angels are not the omnis. They're not omnipotent. They're not omnipresent and they are not omniscient. Those are three words that mean all powerful, all present, and all knowing. The Bible says there's only one being that is all powerful, all present, and all knowing. And it's not Michael, it's not Gabriel, it's not Lucifer, it's Jesus, it's Yahweh, it's the God who created all of these angels. This is gonna be important in a moment and even next week. We'll talk about why, but let me just give you a quick teaser. That means that the devil has limited power in your life. The devil has limited knowledge about what's really going on in your heart. He has limited ability to torture and to tempt and to create havoc in this world. There is a limit to what he can do because angels are not omni. They do not possess the power and attributes of the God who created them. And then finally, the last one, we don't really know if we have guardian angels or not. We don't really know. There are three places in scripture In which if you took them all together and you added a few like thoughts and extrapolations and kind of came to some conclusions, you might walk away saying, well, maybe we have a guardian angel. Like each one of us has an angel that is assigned to follow us around and to make sure that we do God's will and we keep out of trouble. I like to think that if I have a guardian angel, his name is Jeff. I just like the idea... That angels have really normal names like Gary and Mindy and stuff like that. So, if I have a guardian angel, I refer to him as Jeff. But when you get right down to it, I'm not positive that we have them. I'm just not convinced based on the scriptural evidence. And so, if you're like, man, I'm constantly relying on my guardian angel and I believe there's all of this, like, you know, knowledge that you can have and, you know, power you can receive and all of that, we are going far beyond the bounds of what scripture tells us. In fact, we might be misunderstanding a fundamental fact about heavenly beings and angels in particular. You see, angels are God's servants, not ours. Angels are God's servant, not ours. Can we put that one on the screen for him? Thank you. Angels are God's servants, not ours. You see, there's a tendency in our world and particularly in some Christian circles to try to harness the knowledge and the power that angels have. And maybe from them, we can get wisdom, we can get protection. And listen, there are certainly times that angels show up in the world and they give knowledge and they give safety and they make sure that God's plan is accomplished. That definitely happens. But we have to be very, very careful that we don't try to co-opt God's servants and make them our own. That we don't say, hey, angel, you exist to do my will. No, they don't. They exist to do God's will. And they will do God's will, not ours. It's not a good idea to try to take God's servants and dominate them, subjugate them, and make them our own. And, and quite frankly, you guys, Like anything that an angel is supposed to be doing, like they're on assignment from God, it's probably more important than following you around and making sure that your cheesy pita does not set the office toaster on fire. You know what I'm saying? Like angels have more important things to do. Yeah, it's a reference to the office. There is more important things to do than follow you around and make sure that you don't do something small and silly. They are God's servants, not ours. In fact, this tendency that we have to try to categorize all these spiritual beings and then to co-opt them for our own ends, it's actually something the Bible explicitly warns us against. In the book of Colossians and also in the book of Hebrews, we are warned not to try to take over angels or give them undue credit for their influence in the world. Let me read you this passage from the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapters one, two, and three, the whole point of this section of the Bible is to communicate to us that Jesus is greater than any angel, that Jesus has power and authority over any of the angels. And if we give angels undue thought, undue respect, even worship, we have made a grave mistake because Jesus is greater than any angel. Let me show you what the passage says here. It says, and furthermore, It is not the angels who will control the future world we are talking about. The writer of the book of Hebrews says, hey, listen, angels have their place in the world, but angels are not in charge. For in one place, the scripture says you are mere mortals or what are mere mortals that you should think about them. Or a son of man that you should care for him. And then it says, yet for a little while you have made them, humans, a little lower than the angels. But you have crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them, not angels, people. You have given people authority over all things. So watch what the writer says here. Now when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. But we have not yet seen all things put under their authority. What we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, he has tasted death for everyone. God, for whom Uh, for through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus through his suffering a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. It's about Jesus. Look at what he goes on to say here in verse number 14. Because God's children are human beings, because they are made of flesh, And blood. The Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could He die, and only by dying could He break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could He set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. And we also know the Son didn't come to help the angels, He wasn't interested in them. He came to help the descendants of Adam. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters. Jesus became human. He didn't become an angel so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. The writer of Hebrews goes to great lengths to tell us that Jesus is greater than any angel. It's not wrong to be curious about angels. It's not wrong to be curious about demons. It's not wrong to have some sort of interest or curiosity about the spiritual world. But we have to be very careful that we do not try to receive from God's creatures what we should only find in the creator. You with me? We cannot ask God's creatures to give us what we can only receive from the creator. For example, Let's say you need protection in your life or you want protection for your kids. Why would you ask for a guardian angel? Didn't I just tell you that guardian angels are not omnipotent? They are limited in their power. If you had a guardian angel, there would be a limit to what he was able to accomplish to protect you. You are creative in ways of, in finding ways to screw up your life. You know what I mean? You'll figure out a way. Whatever the limit of the angel is, either you or your kids or your family or our government, we'll find some way to get beyond the bounds of their power because their power is finite. Do you know whose power is not finite? Jesus. His power is not finite. So why would you ask for protection from a finite creature when you could ask for protection from an infinite creator? Hey, maybe you find yourself in the pit of addiction. I don't know why you would want a guardian angel if you find yourself mired in addiction. It's too late for a guardian at that point. You don't need a guardian. You need somebody to come rescue you. If you want some information about a decision to make in your life, You're like, I don't know which way to go. And man, wouldn't it be cool if God did for me what he's done for other people in the Bible? He just sent an angel and the angel said, this is what God wants you to do. Wouldn't that be amazing? But you know what? You have an access to the infinite all-knowing God that the people in the Old Testament didn't. You have God's Holy Spirit indwelling you. Why are you asking another created being for knowledge and wisdom and insight that you can only get from God? This is why an understanding of angels and their power and their limits matters because it is so easy for us to start substituting the creator for his creation, to start asking the things that he created to give us what we are only supposed to find in him. Jesus alone deserves our worship. Jesus alone deserves our focus. Jesus alone deserves our attention. Imagine for a moment, you got to meet Wayne Gretzky. Maybe you won a contest, a raffle, something like that. And they said, you get 15 minutes with the great one. Sit down across from a table. You can ask him anything you want. His time is your time for 15 minutes. You get so excited, you come up with all the questions and when you show up, you sit across the table from Wayne and then you turn your body 45 degrees to the right and you start talking to his personal assistant and you say, hey, personal assistant, can you help me with my slap shot? Hey, personal assistant, what was Wayne Gretzky's greatest accomplishment? What's his biggest regret? Did he like coaching or playing more? Who was the best teammate? Who was the worst teammate? That would be nuts, wouldn't it? the personal assistant would say, why are you talking to me? He's right there. Talk to the important person in the room. When we focus on angels, we're actually focusing our attention on the personal assistance of the king of kings and lord of lords. When we're invited to have a conversation in relationship with the king himself, it doesn't make sense. We are asking the created thing to give us what we can only find in the uncreated one. You see, in the end, in the end, we don't need a guardian, we need a savior. We don't need a guardian, we need a savior. Even if you had a guardian angel, even if God assigned some angel to walk, watch over my foolish self and make sure I didn't do anything too terribly bad, there are certain things that an angel cannot do for me. An angel cannot restore me back to my heavenly father. An angel cannot forgive my sins. An angel cannot give me new life, new hope, new purpose in this world. Only a savior can give me that. We don't need a guardian. What we need is a savior. And we become enamored with spiritual beings. And that's not bad until it causes us to no longer be enamored with Jesus. We don't need a guardian, my friends. We need a savior who will enter into our messes, who will pull us out and set us on a new track. So here's what I wanna do. I want to close by reading this passage again to you in Hebrews chapter number two, and this time I want you to read it thinking about Jesus and the power and authority and the beauty and the grace that He shows you. And I want you to I, I want you to take your energy to the next level this morning because the stuff that it's describing is so much better than having a guardian angel. It's so much better than having an entire platoon of guardian angels. Look again at what Hebrews chapter number two says. Because God's children, me and you, because we're human. Human beings and made of flesh and blood the Son also came so that he could become flesh and blood he's a human being who could die and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had who had the power of death he doesn't have it anymore there's no power of death and evil that holds you down if you are a Christian any longer he had it Jesus took it away Only in this way could he set free. You've been set free. I've been set free. All who've lived their lives slaves, as slaves to the fear of dying. We know that the Son didn't come to help the descendants or to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Adam. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us. Jesus took on our weaknesses. He took on our limitations so that he could show us the lengths that he was willing to go to have a relationship with us. He didn't say, here's one of my messengers. Here's a personal, ass- uh, personal assistant. He'll speak to you on my behalf. Jesus came to earth himself so that he could have a relationship with each one of us. It was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us who are his brothers and sisters so that, we, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, the Bible says he is able to help us. An angel can't do squat for you. They cannot give you what you need, but Jesus can. When we are being tested in so dear children, Bible says, Hebrews chapter number three, verse one. Think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's Messiah and our high priest. Think carefully. Don't focus on creatures, focus on the creator. Don't focus on guardians, focus on a savior. Don't focus on limited beings who will wreak havoc for a short period, but focus on the one who promises that he will return and restore all things to health and life and wholeness and vitality. So here's my question. I want you to ask yourself, am I looking to anyone or anything to give me what I should find in Jesus. So we've kind of used angels as a jumping off point, but the reality is most of you guys are not, you don't care so much about angels. But is it possible that you have looked to your career to give you what you should only find in your heavenly father? Is it possible that you're asking your spouse to be for you what Jesus is supposed to be for you? Is it possible that you're putting the pressure on your kids to be perfect and to validate you in the world when you're not supposed to get that from them? That's a crushing burden that they will never be able to bear. Instead, you're supposed to look to Jesus to give you your identity and your validation and all the love that you need in the world. Are you looking at your good deeds? Are you saying, I'm a good person? That's got to count for something. Are you looking at the number of Instagram followers that you have? Are you looking at the number of zeros in your bank account? Are you looking at creation and the time that you have to spend to get away? Are you looking at created things to give you what you're supposed to find only in the creator? My friends, good things become bad things when we turn them into ultimate things. Angels, people, creation, they're all good things. They become bad when we turn them into ultimate things.